friend back for one last dance. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Episode 479 of Hand of Pod, and welcome to 2024. This is our first episode of the year that, as long as nothing goes wrong, I mean, as long as there's not another pandemic that causes us to stop recording or something for six months, uh, should, in theory, see the 500th episode recorded. It's exciting, isn't it? Um, I'll be, hopefully, probably, joined uh, for that episode, and as I am for this one, by English Dan. Hello. Quite possibly by Andres. Hello, welcome. And Chris. Hey, how's it going? And unfortunately, almost definitely not, uh, by somebody who is nonetheless back for one last Sam Kelly Ford Femnet, uh, having told us all last year that he wouldn't be here anymore by this point. Tony. Hello. That, that happens, right? He's definitely <laughs> leaving to Mexico. He's promised us. Um, Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we waste, another... wasted all the goodbyes last time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be, like, ten more days. And yeah, we had listeners tweeting in with tearful gifs and everything. Um, <laughs> to bid you farewell, and here you are. It's I feel like I might go Jordan at this point. Um, of yeah. course, there are no results for me to read out to you um, to begin this episode, which is what we're used to, but there are some matches to preview. Quite a lot of them, in fact, because we're previewing the whole season. We're not going to individually preview every match, obviously. Um, but the 2024 Copa de la Liga Profesional is already underway. You will remember from the last episode of last year, or maybe the penultimate episode of last year, uh, that whereas last year was the league followed by the Copa de la Liga, this year the AFA slash the Liga Profesional have decided to reverse that order and do the probably more sensible way round uh, of Copa de la Liga in the first half of the year, league in the second half of the year. In I believe we spoke out about this yeah. last year. Yes. It, it worked better from a, from a relegation point of view and from loads of teams not having lots of dead space at the end of the year point of view. Absolutely. Uh, Instituto versus Deportivo Riestra uh, is still, according to this, at half time, and Tigre versus Sarmiento is eight minutes into the second half, so I'm not sure what's going on in Cordoba to cause that delay to the start of the second half, but anyway. There was a red card at the end of the first half, which uh, I imagine uh, maybe could there was lots of first half caused some VAR fighting nonsense. Yeah. Meanwhile, in this Tigre game, I've seen two very good saves from both Sanamiento and from Tigre's mm. keeper, but apart from that, not much. So no time. goals, but a bit of action. At the moment, no goals, except that the Copa Argentina has already kicked off, and there has been a goal in that already. Well, we're not watching. 20 minutes in, Estudiantes lead. Defending champions. Estudiantes. Yes, of course, Estudiantes, who are the defending champions, lead a team who are making, I think I read, their first appearance in the Copa Argentina. Uh, Argentino de Monte Maíz, who have a badge that suggests that they were founded by a Racing fan, and are from somewhere called Monte Maíz. I don't know. The southeast of the province of Cordoba. Lovely. Yeah, chickens. 
Yes. Okay. I mean, Corn Mountain. Many places in the country have chickens. chickens. <laughs> um, it is a city of 7,325 Monte Maicinas. Apparently. Excellent. Yeah, good. Very happy for them. I mean, not because they're 1-0 down, but, you know. Still time. When, when I think they take 1-0, to be honest. When you watch the premieres, it was 11 minutes and it was nearly nil and I said, oh, go on, go on. It was impossible to still remain what nearly. And corn production is one of their primary activities. I would think so. Which would explain that. With a name like that. Yeah. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? So we're going to begin with a very quick uh, reminder of the structure of the Copa de la Liga, just in case you've decided your New Year's resolution that you're going to pay attention to Argentine football this year and this is the first episode of Hand of Pod you're listening to. Um, if, if that's not the case, and if this is very much not the first episode you're listening to, it's the same structure as last year. But what that means is that there are two groups of 14 teams each. Um, if a team has its classical rival in the same division at the moment, for example, River Plate, Boca Juniors, I'm telling this right down for people who are very new to Argentine football indeed, then they are in separate groups and there will be, at some point, a match... Hang on, no, River and Boca are in the same group. Are they? No, where are the... No, where are group they are. I don't see their name anywhere. They've used exactly the same structure and I believe calendar as the last Copa de la Liga. Yes. Just taking out the two relegated teams. And I was being... Uh, I was thrown by the fact that there are, there are games currently taking place in Group B and therefore the um, alphabetical order was messed up. So I was expecting to see Boca listed second behind Belgrano and they're not. They're fourth <laughs> on alphabetical order at the moment. Um, because Samuel and Tigre currently have a point on the board each. Anyway, so River and Boca in separate groups, and there will at some point in the season be a round where everybody plays their classic or rival. I think it was like round eight, right? Or round yeah, it'll be in the middle of the like in the middle of the fourteen rounds of fixtures, weren't it? Roughly. The um, only difference is that they've reversed the fixtures. So, for yes. example, Tigre visited Sarmiento on the first weekend of the. 2023 Copa de la Liga, and they're hosting Sarmiento in this one. And Instituto visited Arsenal for theirs, and now they're hosting Retra, who are the new Arsenal. Replaced yes. Arsenal? Yes. Yeah, the promoted teams are, are just slotting in. For what uh, I can remember is that uh, Arsenal, and that's why Retra is doing that, played two uh, uh, matches home in a row, and then four, in, no, uh, away, and then four home in, in a row, which is, oh, wow. so of Rester course it's strange, but... Uh, Rester are going to have two two games at home and then four away in a row. Yes. No, the other way. It's two right. away and then four home okay. in a row. Um, yeah, the other thing was that, as I mentioned in the last episode of last year, uh, the two promoted sides are following Arsenal and... Who are the other ones? Colón. Thank you. And Colón's fixtures, uh, respectively, for the first seven rounds, and then are swapping the team who, whose fixtures they have for the rest of the season after that for a reason that I can't quite um, remember now but I mentioned it on the, on the previous Don't try to understand it, enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> and I believe, contrary to what we maintained towards the end of last year's final podcast, mm. Rietra will play in their tiny stupid stadium. Ah, that was yep. a resolution made by the AFA. Oh, of course, yeah, the one that's right next to San Lorenzo's... Mm-hmm. Um, Secondary pitch or whatever it is. Yes. Yes. There's 3,000 people capacity, right? All of their 3,000 fans will be able to see the game. Wow, so like almost half of the population of Monte Mais could fit in that stadium. This is true, yes. yes. This is true. That's how big it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's not, obviously not much to much football to 
review. Um, but that's the structure. Mm. That will then go into the top four teams from each of the two groups going into quarterfinals, semifinals, and a final. Mm-hmm. Which, if it at least if it follows what it did last year, that'll be just one-off matches. It yes. all follows what happened yeah. last year. Yeah, they excellent. Copy pasted the entire thing. The winners will go into the Copa Libertadores, and the rest of the continental spots. Um, for 2025's South American competitions uh, will be decided by a league table consisting of the group stage of this Copa de la Liga that's just kicked off and that we're telling you about now and the league championship that will take place in the second half of the game. I think the big question of course now is who's going to win it? Indeed. A team. Um, yeah. Fair to say Boca and River let's start with them because it's easier haven't really done much over the summer. Well, especially in terms, of, in terms, <laughs> in terms yeah, of transfers or just in yeah. terms of either. I, I mean, once they've done things, they've already watered the grass yeah. and Russell, painted yeah. the changing rooms, but yeah. I was wondering whether River hadn't done anything or whether it was just that I wasn't paying very much attention over the summer. Um, but yeah, it looks like they haven't because I saw a headline earlier today saying that they are plotting a $20 million spending spree. Which, again, just again, if you're right. new to Argentine football, that's an astronomical figure compared with... Um, in, in local terms, they um, did sign the very promising yeah. Claudio Chiverri on loan from Manchester City. Oh, yeah. yeah, having sold him. Having sold him, yes. Can I just say That's that, like, we were on this podcast, and I think the three of you, Andres, Dan, and Sam, all three were like, no, they're not going to sell him, they're not going to sell him. And I was like, I think they're going to sell him. And I've been proven right, and it's the only time I think I've ever been proven right on this podcast. So I'm going to take that as a little victory. I think that was before he played his only game. Like, he made his only start for River and basically said after that, yeah, I want to go now. Yeah, but I I just fucking knew. (laughs) I just knew. He's he's staying at River uh, for the year. For the year, yes. So he's joining City in 12 months' time. For the year or or for the company of Because... The, the the recent recent year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think he couldn't move to uh, City now even if he wanted to, right? Because he's 17. Uh, yeah, probably not. I don't know when his birthday is. Uh, then we have we were trying to sign the Uruguayan that scored three goals yesterday. Oh no, he's just turned 18. Yeah, one day before they say, we want Luciano Rodriguez. And the day after he scored three goals against Paraguay and this is in the uh, pre-Olimpico yes. um, the Olympic qualification tournament which we'll get onto in a bit more detail later but suffice to say uh, I've not been watching it but I think that from what I've heard those who have been watching Argentina's games in it have a few choice words about it's having it's been an exercise in frustration my question would be why would you do that <laughs> watching a match around team yeah, exactly, which is the, a large part of the reason so, I'm not doing it. The um, saddest person in football could be? Huh? The what? The saddest person in football? No, that's a size. And then what's the story, to drag this back to the league, Yes. what's the story with Fonseca, the guy River signed who was supposed to be really good and now they've kind of had a look at him and decided he was shit? Like, No, he needs a typical, well, to, he needs to adapt to the, to the a different football. Different Cherwa. Yes, of course. <laughs> Where's he signed from, Andres? From Montevideo Wanderers, I think. Okay. But apparently yeah. they're looking to send him out online now, like, yeah. so they couldn't have been very Perhaps impressed with Perhaps because he's the son of, of Daniel Fonseca, the, the magnificent striker, mm. uh, and they, they perhaps thought it was similar to him, but he plays in a different position. Uh, but yes, still needs some speed, in the terms of the speed and, and the movements. He, he played two, two friendlies and 
it was remarkable how slow he was, but... Uh, I mean, you, would, you, you can have a small, uh, slow player... Where, where does he play? What position does he play? Centre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... I mean, you, you, you can, you can <laughs> be slow and probably have to make up for it with different um, yes. things of, of your game, but I think the, 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 the worst look on River on, in that case is how many outgoings plus injuries have happened mm -hmm. in the last month and a half and probably the most talk about thing is about another outgoing which made them look kind of silly also, if I need to find a better word for also, that. Uh, I remember you saying before Christmas Andres that uh, you were surprised that no one had ever came in for Nicolas de la Cruz but he's gone now to Flamengo now. Mm -hmm. um, yes. uh, how did you mourn his departure over the Christmas period? We will see it now. Yeah. Yes, uh, because he left, but still River hasn't played since he left. So uh, I think we will suffer it now. Uh, because yes, I mean, he was hard to replace even with a player playing in a similar position. But River doesn't have a player or box to box or whatever you may call it, who marks, plays, scores, what well, does everything yeah. and and does everything in the right way? I mean, or, or good. And they've also lost one of their major sources of goals because Salomon Brondon has oh. rescinded his contract. Yes. Ha having yeah. done what he came here to do and mm -hmm. outscored uh, Paulo Guerrero in Argentine football in the course of 2023, that that's all he, he was here for. Gondon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it's I had the pleasure to watch Pachuca play. In the Liga MX, that was fun to watch. Uh -huh. They are. Is that who he's joined? Yes. Yeah, Pachuca. Oh, okay, because here it just says Resindio. It doesn't say. No, no, he went to Pachuca, <laughs> scored a goal in his debut after a POE mistake. Oh, wow. Okay. He's doing a bit of a, like, one of those globe, like, like Harlem Globetrotters thing. He's literally going and trying to play in every content, continent, mm. I think, isn't he? He well, played, I think he played in Asia at one point. Yes, I think he's just missing well. Africa and then he's yeah. and that, and Antarctica, but I don't think their football level is too high. So. No. Playing against um, Russell. Mm. So it's a bit of a there's some rebuilding to do for River, given the number of outgoings and yet yeah, with Fonseca being the only person apparently who they've signed. Um, are they still? among the favourites for the Copa de la Liga then, Dan? Since I mean, they're still in a situation 90% of the teams in the league would give their right arm to be in. Mm. As in, they have very, very good players across the pitch, the ability to bring in more, and they don't have to just scour good. bargain buckets for... And a very good youth system. I mean, and, yeah, and given the way they've played but it's really the players the last few years, there's a very, very good chance that in six months' time we'll be talking about somebody from River who were expected to get a multi-million dollar transfer to a European club at the end of the year. But it's true, yeah. it's true that from having a lot of oh, creative midfielders, which made Echeverri be in the bench, now mm. you have zero, perhaps, because Echeverri is in the Pre-Olimpico, um, Lanzini ha has been injured, now he's injured with the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah predict it. Yeah. And even when he hasn't been perhaps crap, uh, uh, now perhaps the Michelis has to... I, I don't think he will do, he will, but if you think about natural replacements for for uh, Echeverri or Lanzini, it's uh, Mastanduono, a kid who has 
like Fonseca played some friendlies in the preseason, and and everyone was oh this is the new jewel, this 16 years old, and you can't of course put all the responsibility on his shoulders, uh, but perhaps the Michelis will be will this have is, to. This is like kind of what Di Michelis needs to put in. Like he's got experience of running youth teams, obviously in Germany and, and stuff with Bayern. So it's kind of now he needs to develop a lot, like use his skills that he developed there and bring through some, some youngsters that maybe we don't know about so much. Um, but he also needs to win a lot of games and look good doing it. Absolutely. River fans are very, very, very demanded at the moment. Yeah. I, from, what, from what I understand, his time at Bayern uh, taught us at least that he's not afraid to show some faith in youth because he was kind of I can't remember whether anyway. it was you who told me or somebody else I know who knows about German football who said it, but it, it was as if basically he went in at the Bayern 2 job on the understanding that he was meant to be blooding young players for the first team, and Bayern were of the opinion that he was meant to be just playing teams that would try to win the division they were in, even though they weren't allowed to get promoted from it. Mm. Uh, and as a result, he got some quite middling results and ended up... they were on the verge of firing him when he decided to join River. Um, that but definitely in fact, wasn't me. it's because he was playing kids in every game. Right? Yeah, so. I, th- I mean, yeah, some of the kids he played are kind of hovering around Bayern's first team now, but whether that's because Bayern just did quite shit in the transfer market, we're obviously getting a little bit off topic. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. I guess this this whole year will be a kind of learning curve for us all over whether he sinks or swims in regards to bringing through through youth um, mm. but yeah it remains to be seen uh, the other team who Dan mentioned in his really sticking his neck out list of the two potential favourites for the Copa de la Liga were Boca Juniors a uh, little known club who some of you might have heard of before with regards to Argentine football I didn't say they were favourites I was saying not the Cali one we're going to talk obvious. about the teams let's the start there yeah. not the Cali one which is more known for Yes, Boca have signed twice as many players as River, if the list I'm looking at is up to date. Christian Lehmer has joined from Lanús and Kevin Senon has joined from Union. Um, they have let go just, I mean, very roughly about the same number of players as River, of whom one, two, three, four, four have gone to Barracas Central on loan. Um, Why are you two to Platense on loan, two to Tigre on loan. I'm just surprised they've loaned that many players. And one to Brighton and Hove Albion. Yes, and one of them, of course, has joined Th- Brighton. Things that may have to do with the agent of the players, perhaps. Almost like certainly, no? Eh, like a brother Nick, for yeah. example, or, or something like that. I would be more inclined in a more good relationship between the press and Ah, yes, mm. that, thing, that could be. If I had to put a guess out there, it would be that. Yeah, um, just looking at the names who've, lo- who've left anyway, regardless of where they've gone to. Barco is, of course, um, the big one who they're going to need to replace. Why well, they did? You know. Lautaro Blanco is the guy they want to replace him, I believe, and that's no, 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 almost ready. No? So none. Oh right, yeah, of course. Ah, yeah. oh, but yeah, and then Blanco will be just behind him because he's a left back. Blanco will be uh, most replacing Fabra, which is now yes. being told to be to going to the Timbers. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a huge piece of work. That completely changes their perspective. Oh, okay. <laughs> that um, is not good news for the other teams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, do you think that Kevin Senon is going to bring to the left back slot at Boca that Valentin Barco couldn't? Tony, you've seen more. I think we, he will play more as a winger mm-hmm. rather than left back because that's the original position of. 
Kevin, <laughs> it's where he started playing, where most... As, as Barco tended to as well, right? Because Sorry? Barco, as Barco tended to as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most yeah. of the time are dominating their opponents. Yeah, so. and that's also what Kylian Salles did. Like, mm. after um, Mendes left, where he was deployed as a kind of a wingback, he said, no, no, you have creative freedom to go wherever you want. Sometimes you see him playing on the right, sometimes you playing, see him playing in the middle, because if we go back to the actual beginning, he obviously started as a 10, like 75% of the kids in Argentina. Um, but I think he has less, I would say, flair than Barco and probably will have some time to adjust to the level of contribution Barco had with Almiron especially. I think most of the Boca fans uh, had an idea of how Barco was deployed with Almiron, which also had to see the way Martinez is going to put his Boca team and mm -hmm. which kind of style. And it's going to be a bit of a rough start for Boca as well, yeah. because obviously they lost Barco and they've also got Cristian Marina, Eki Fernandez and Nicolás Valentini, they're all of the Olympic squad. Yeah. So, Granted, with Macherano, they're probably going to be making a swift return, but even then, like the first yeah. couple of games at least, uh, they're going to be very sure. And, and um, as you, Tony just sort of mentioned in passing, and they've changed their manager as well. So yeah. yes, but that's probably okay. so. If if Martina had really has faith in in Kevin, I think he's going to take over the duties of the um, set pieces, which he did really well in Union, mm. and will bring the same kind of dynamism but it's going to take a little bit of time to adjust to see how much actual goal contributions if we compare pairs to pairs in terms of what Marco did in, in such a, a short time but with given time and fate from Martinez I think it's probably the best replacement for Marco in the, in the Argentine League excluding you know players from River and they're out of uh, reach for Boca from one reason or the other. Hmm. I thought the really interesting one that came up uh, in connection with Boca was Luca Romero, the Argentine oh, right. Mexican Spanish kid who's been at Lazio, right? Milan. Milan. Um, but apparently that's not happening now. There was like it, apparently interest oh. from him, but Boca kind of put the brakes on it, which was odd. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think Boca but, didn't want to to have a clause to buy. Ah, uh, gotcha. And Milan really wanted to put that in the, yeah. even if it was optional, but Boca didn't want anything to do with it, which, surprise, surprise, oh. how much it's going to cost the player in six months. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. It, it's insensible. No, it can only be 20. He played in the under-20s last year, so he can't be any older than 21. Um, Why do you look at? 19. No. 19. 19. Yeah. So he, 19 in November. I think he made his baby when he was like 15 or something. Yeah, yeah. So he's been around. It's like a... Pedro de la Vega, who I just saw went to, uh, I want to say Seattle? Yeah. Yes. Um, he's been around for seven years and he's still only 22. Yeah, he was going to be the next player I was going to mention actually mm. because he's the highest profile exit from the league of the summer, given yeah. that Echeverri hasn't Barcos. exited the league yet. Well, Barco and Yeah, okay, sure. Barco by virtue of having played for Boca, but in terms, of, the Premier league. in terms of the amount of time that we on this podcast have spent talking about a player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit deflated. Yeah. But. Side, side note, one, one player that's just joined the German league, um, after we've had one Argentinian exit, which is Lucas Alario, who's gone to Brazil after not playing for the last 12 months. But um, 
Julian Malatini has ah, just yes. joined. Well, Verde Bremen yeah. from yeah. Defensa. He was at Tejeres, I think, yes, as well. Uh, he was on the bench at the weekend, and they Verde Bremen beat Bayern. So uh, um, clearly, mm. his presence is already young, being felt. The other young kid that left was Gianluca Prestiani, who joined Benfica from Vélez. Mm. And this is the one from Vélez that left to Bologna. Cannot Castro. Santi Castro, who yes. has really been quest, kind of making you question that decision with his finishing. So far, in the really big time, poor guy. I wanted to talk about De La Vega a little bit, though, because of course we have plenty of listeners in the United States, and I'm sure that some of them are wondering what he'd be capable of doing in MLS. And no few Lanos fans, of course. Indeed, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so he wants to enjoy coffee and books in Seattle. Yes. Nirvana cover bands. Yeah. Because Seattle is so famous for bringing high quality coffee to the world. Um, <laughs> there was also the Uruguayan that played for Boca. I Lodeiro was there also. I know he's still there. Ah, yes. Oh, he's still there. Yeah, there's a, a couple of um, South Americans in, in Seattle Saunders. Do we have any MLS watchers here? Tony, do you pay attention to MLS? Or I used to. So you don't fall off. Like, okay, I mean, like, yeah. I'm just what we found in the past when players joined MLS sides from the Argentine league was that by and large, if they looked good here, yeah, they joined MLS, and you know, from what we heard, because we never really got to see them play, but we'd we'd get tweets from fans of the team they joined or whatever, and they seemed to just automatically turn into living gods as soon as they uh, hit the pitch. There, he's obviously not going to be. Um, the most high-profile attacking Argentine player in MLS. No, that's Agustin Ojeda. Indeed, yes. Um, but it, it should be able to do a pretty good job, right? I mean, I just wonder whether it, it's kind of... It feels like a... No offence to our American listeners, but it feels like a little bit of a shame because we thought he was going to be off to Europe. Yeah, but... He's been injured a lot. And he's still only 22. I mean, this. this there's obviously a pipeline now from the United States to Europe that has been, in the last couple of years, a little bit more usual, thinking of Almiron, mm. probably Tiawalmada in the future. Um, well, I, wonder, I mean, I, I've seen a couple of opinions recently saying that that's kind of what we expected to happen a few years ago, especially with Almiron. Yeah. And that since then, it's not really... It hasn't quite taken out. No, no, it's not. It's, it's more, everything in the MLS is more slow than they expected to happen. <laughs> you, you, you can have the, this debate with, okay, it's not anymore a retirement league, which mm-hmm. for some players it still is. So that will always depend and also has to do with riding the right wave and making an, an instant impact. If you do that, you may end up in Europe. The same happened with Castellanos, I think. The one who you, can, you have Castellanos, you have uh, Bravo, the left back from Banfield that went to Poland too. He was really talented. I mean, he, he was called up to the youth uh, national team. The one who came back, I don't remember the team, uh, but it's Ruti, the former news, that yep. was a lot of time. Yeah, he played for Dallas. Yeah, Poland, a couple more. I mean, it's, it's always trying to make an... If he can do uh, contributions quickly, I, I don't doubt there will be some European teams that will have a look at him, but that will also depend on the injuries, like Dan said. Um, otherwise, he's going to maybe establish himself, like um, 
many other players did. Yeah. And the Sounders overall, they're a pretty decent yeah, they're okay. right? Like, yeah, yeah. They're a serious Sounders. Yeah, they are less contenders than they were five years ago. They were yeah. constantly in the finals of the conference, yeah. at least. But they're a team that do things the right but way. But they're right. Team to yeah, kind of they're all right. Yeah, they're right. Yeah, yeah. players that they like the country, perhaps, and they want to stay. Yeah. Uh, like uh, well, Valeri, uh, Blanco, uh, Sebastián Blanco, I mean. Yeah, he and just returned yeah. to San Lorenzo. But he stayed like yes, he was there for six a while, years. Yeah. Um, regarding Newell's, you just mentioned them. Uh, one of the big incomings since we've talked the a lot about biggest. Ah, yes, what, has to be the biggest. Big, like oh, we've talked yeah. a lot about departures, but Ava Banega is is back. Remember, he's back in the league. Remember him? He's just came from Saudi. He was like he was like Saudi OG. Yeah, like yeah. he was Saudi before it was cool to go to Saudi. Eat you know? your heart out, Ronaldo. Yeah, never yeah. um, got that started. So uh, yeah, he's be- and he's playing tonight. I'm just seeing now he is captaining the team Ooh, that's tonight. What I tonight. So um, yeah, there was a bit of a, a tussle for his signature between Newell's and Boca. Yeah, obviously he had history in both them clubs, uh, but he listened to his heart and went back to Newell's. Yeah, and I can't fault that. He's 35 years old. He is. Just checked. Um, I'm going to just call say every weekend, it's not. Yeah. But then he's been slow since he was like 26, so hmm. I don't think age will hit no, it's him not lost particularly. Any, he won't have lost any pace. Uh, really. hard. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would expect him to still look good at this level, given the way that he used to play before. I hope so, because I love watching him running. Yes. Such a classic player to watch. The yeah. one who is back at Instituto Silvio Romero, the, the one who at some, sometimes they was looked by Boca, River, a lot of victims, and now it's back at... But Romero was always a bit shit. <laughs> he yeah, was never very good. Was, well, he He's not a banana. He had a good spell when he kind of first signed for Independiente, didn't he? I feel like he had yeah. a, a good campaign where he was joint top scorer or something over yeah. a short championship. And then just never really kicked on from that. He yeah. sort of stagnated a bit. Um, obviously not helped by the fact that even Independiente weren't a fantastic team. Yeah. So time. I just take it searching to Banega and Romero being mentioned in the conversation. It's the Banega for Instituto, perhaps. No, no I think, I think no, if you want to go there, I would go Matias Suarez and Belgrano. Yeah, could be. I would mm-hmm. take that more, but still, no. Banega's in the league with that. Incidentally, um, I think we're going to call a half-time break there, but the talk of Independiente just then has reminded me uh, that one of the things we're going to talk about in the second half, because there are an awful lot of them looking down the fixture lists uh, this season, is that for newcomers to the league, we're going to have a bit of an introduction to which clubs are called what and how you should shorten that in order to avoid confusing people. Because there are two Independientes in the top flight this year. There are... A whole bunch of teams who, if you didn't know anything about Argentine football and you looked at the full club name, you could be forgiven for thinking we're called Central something, given that Instituto even have it in their name, um, and various others. So we will go through and tell you how to shorten each of the team names uh, to not come across as somebody who doesn't know anything about Argentine football. And we'll also talk about the Olympic qualifying tournament and something else that we mentioned earlier and I've forgotten about, and also we'll listen to some <laughs> listeners' questions if we've been tweeted any. For now, don't go away.
first thing I will say is if you can hear in the background that, that very, very faint singing, or indeed if towards the beginning of the first part of the podcast you could hear some piano playing, uh, one or two of Dan's neighbours are clearly having music lessons of some sort. So all I will say is if you happen to be the copyright holder of any of the pieces of music <laughs> appearing in the background, please don't report us because we have no control over it. Um, or, the, or they're watching The Fifth Element. Could yes. be that, yes. Um, on that note, well, in fact, on the note uh, that we closed the first half in, uh, the team names of this very large first division at the moment, most of them are fairly self-explanatory. Uh, but I thought it was worth going over just a few. The newcomers in particular, Deportivo Riestra, are very easy indeed. We're going to shorten them as Riestra mm-hmm. throughout the season, because that's what they're called. Instituto, as I said, are one of the more complicated ones, because their full name is Instituto Atletico Central Córdoba, or Central de Córdoba. No, Central Córdoba. Central Córdoba. Yep. Um, And the reason that, as I said, this might be a bit confusing to complete newcomers who look at the full team name is that there is another team currently in the top division who are also called Central Cordoba and they're not from Cordoba, which is really confusing. Um, You know why? Right? Yeah, of course I do, yeah. Um, But for those who don't know... Well, we'll get on to that in a second because there is also another team called Central and that is Rosario Central, who are probably the best known of the three. Instituto mm-hmm. might run them close, but internationally I think Rosario Central have got it. Um, and so how are we going to refer to all of these three clubs? The answer and is... if I'm not mistaken, Tacheres were originally called Tacheres del Centragorro. Which also makes some sense. Four yes. reasons. Mm-hmm. We'll get, the reason is that all four of those clubs, Instituto, Tacheres, Rosario Central and Central Cordoba, are named after the same railway line. Yep. And that sounds crazy. I know naming a football club after a railway line. Who on earth would do that? Nice. Says the English person. Um, would it be the railway line with most football clubs named after it in the world? No, that's a good question. That's a good one. <laughs> if you know of one that's got more than four clubs named after it, then please write in. Uh, it's possibly the currently non-functioning railway line <laughs> with the most clubs named after it. I'm not sure it actually still runs, does it? It does. It does. It does. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's I mean, not called that anymore. It's not called that. Yeah, it's the same line that goes from from Estación San Martín in Retiro to Rosario and to Colo. Ah, right. Okay. Anyway, yes, it is the central um, railway line, I guess, because it runs up the. I mean, it doesn't run up the centre of the country at all, does it? But it runs up the through the population centres. Yes. I guess you could it say. ends in Santiago del Estero. Were there, were Tucumán. Uh, a question for. Those of us who are a little bit stupid to all of this stuff, <laughs> that's me. Um, like, were the teams all originally formed because of like the railway workers who originally well, worked on the line? That is literally what Tacheres means. Means. Okay. So yeah. in that case, I would say yes. How will you translate Tacheres? It's well, it's workshops. Workshops, really, workshops yeah. Workers, okay. but, I mean, workers of the workshops. Workshop yeah. workers. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then they moved to um, the south of Cordoba. Mm forgot the name, Pario Jardín, and lose the part of the Central Cordoba. They ended yeah. up being just the shares. Once they moved to Barrio Jardín. There you go. See, I feel less stupid now. <laughs> um, so yeah, the way that we're going to shorten those four clubs are Tacheres and Instituto, of course, for the two Cordoba clubs. If, if you ever hear us say Central, then that means Rosario Central, because they're not called Rosario. Um, and 
uh, Central Cordoba, for our purposes, is Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero. I think, is there another Central Rosario. Cordoba still? Rosario. In Rosario. Rosario, of course there is, yes, in the lower divisions. Um, so, that's that lot. Um, and others, are there any others who got confusing? Independiente, you mentioned that. Of course, yes, I'm, I said in the first half, didn't I? There's Independiente, who are... Uh, the club who've won more Copas Libertadores than any other team and haven't won anything very much at all uh, for several years now. Copa Sudamericana in yes, 2015, last recent 14, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, and they went to the <laughs> and they went to the, down to the second division also I think yes they did and speaking of the second division that is where the other Independiente Independiente Rivadavia um, have come from and Independiente Rivadavia um, are not as Condobol called them on their own Twitter account yesterday because yesterday was their hundred and I think it was hundred and eleventh anniversary um, and so Condobol tweeted out congratulations on your birthday. Independiente de Rivadavia. They're not Independiente de Rivadavia. They're Independiente Rivadavia. And if they're de anywhere, then it's de Mendoza, because that's Rip. the city that mm. they're based in. Um, and we were saying before Christmas that we were very close to having three Mendoza teams in the top flight, yes. but yes. we only yeah. ended up having but two. We've just got the two. Godoy Cruz being the other. Uh, Godoy Cruz... Slightly, I mean, not really a confusing name at all. They just they happen to be from the city of Godoy Cruz, which is technically a separate jurisdiction from the city of Mendoza. Like Avellaneda. But if you if you visit Mendoza on a visit to Argentina, you would have difficulty uh, separating them out because they're part of the same. And we were close to have another estudiante because it was uh, I think they lost in the semi-finals of the playoff. Yes. Yeah. Who are uh, uh, from Córdoba. I think that that covers all of the main ones, at least the, the sort of really confusing ones. Uh, the only other ones that jump out at me are that, in, in the case of the two giants of Argentine football, uh, as did occasionally happen in the very early years of my blog, before I even moved to Argentina and people in the comments, uh, you don't shorten River Plate and Boca Juniors to Plate or Juniors. <laughs> you shorten them to River and Boca. Um, I don't think there are any, there are no juniors as who get shortened to juniors, are there? Argentinos juniors are Argentinos. Right. Uh, I can't think of any other juniors as actually not said that. The only like, other one a little bit unrelated that sticked out, even though I don't think either of them are in the top flight, would be there's quite a few gymnasias. Um, and there are, but they? like, they're all kind of lower down. Mendoza, Boy, De La Plata. Well, not, not De La Plata, just Gimnasia La Plata for... <laughs> Some reason. Gimnasio Tiro de Santa. Yeah, of course. Buenos Aires. Heba, right here. Yes. Mendoza. Um, actually, do, do, does Heba, Gimnasio de Buenos Aires, don't have a football club anymore, do they? They no. just play rugby. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. I think the big big question, if we're going out in, into the the second division, mm. Chaco forever. Is yeah. it Chaco or is Ooh. it forever? Mm. I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's like uh, always. I imagine it's Chaco, but it's fun to ponder. Yes, it's like always ready. Wait forever. Is always. it always or is it ready? Well, another, another example of, of the wrong part of the name to shorten is that I, I occasionally saw is New South Boys. 
Yes, old boys. Old boys. Mm. Yeah. It's not skills. That it's sounds too much like old boys. So it would just be confusing. <laughs> yes, yeah. And all boys is a club name that you just don't short. It's just all boys. And just because it says. Ah, and they're little. Did they ever call them Albor? I feel like I might have seen that when we went on. on all boys are the Albor, yes. Yeah. Uh, and Atletico Tucumán are never Tucumán. They're Atletico. Yes, because Same Atletico way. is unlike every other club in the country, or almost every other club, which is a Club Atletico. Read that, play Club Atletico, Boca Juniors, Club Atletico, whatever. Atletico Tucumán is, for some reason, Atletico is considered the name of the club. So yes. it is Atletico. One other note, despite it saying it on the club crest, you never refer to Newell's old boys as knob. Oh, that's just my. Other oh, written, <laughs> written. When I'm angry, yeah. you can't do it when you're writing it. Yeah, yeah if writing. If you're writing it, on fine. Twitter, then you're allowed to abbreviate it. Is yeah, yeah. Atletico de Rafael is another example. Usually yeah. go. Oh, you usually go with the name of the city. Except this Rosario Central. Mm-hmm. But you can call River Cup, right? Of course. Yes. Yeah. 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 It'd be rude not to. Yes. And actually, you've, you've inadvertently pointed out another one there because it's Atletico de Rafaela, but Atletico Tucumán, and not Atletico de Tucumán. Yep. Um, so yeah, well, it, actually, it's Club Atlético Social y Deportivo de yes. Rafaela, so it's it's another it's another monster. Exactly. <laughs> but there's a day in there. All of this um, with the abbreviations just reminded me of one of kind of Argentine Twitter's rare gems, um, and I think it was a Boca Argentinos game um, when <laughs> Argentinos took the lead, and um, the Boca official Twitter wrote gol. A A A J, the Association Atlético, whatever it is, yeah. And someone replied right under, "What the fuck are you laughing at?" Because that's the phonetic. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Sound of laughter in Argentine in Spanish writing. One other that uh, struck me while Dan was talking is that Godoy Cruz, you should not shorten Godoy Cruz to Godoy. No. They are not called that. They are Godoy. The full name, actually, Godoy Cruz is the shortened version because their full name is Godoy Cruz Antonio Tomba. Yes. They, they are named after one of their founding players. Antonio Tomba. That I forget about right now, but basically everybody really liked him, and so they decided to name part of the club after him. And Defensa Justicia, it is perfectly okay to call them Defensa. Yes. Um, but not for Tizzi. But not for Tizzi. No, don't call them that. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> DJ. Uh, if you have any other questions about how to shorten Argentine club names, then do write in. And if you were thoroughly bored by that bit of discussion, then uh, to be honest, I can't say I blame you and we're very sorry. I was fascinated. I'm glad that you got something <laughs> as out the of novice, sure that... As the novice of this podcast, I was thoroughly fascinated throughout. I hope that, that some people enjoyed it, at least. Um, now, as we said, there is currently an Olympic qualifying competition going on, and today it would appear there are no matches in it. No, it's match tomorrow. Today. Um, it's the reason I, I said earlier that I'm not paying much attention to it. The reason for that is that it's all on Direct TV, uh, apart from Argentina's games. Or yes, Argentina's those games. Okay. There was another game on not yesterday, but the day before as well, which oh. just randomly turned out. I think it was Ecuador and Venezuela, which they had on TSM. Was maybe because it was the opener? It wasn't the opener. It wasn't the opener? That was Ecuador, Colombia. Ecuador, Colombia. That is true. I will be there in Paris for the Olympics, and yet I probably, of the five of us, paid the least attention to this. When is that? I guarantee that you've not paid the least attention. End of July, start of August. Yeah. Um, So the results for Argentina so far, for Javier Mascherano's mighty Argentina. La Gandineta. 
for some reason, SofaScore has got these teams listed as... They're all as the under-23, apart from the teams... No, okay, so the teams in Group A are listed as Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela, Bolivia, U23s. But the teams in Group B are listed as Peru, Chile under-23, Argentina, Paraguay. As if it was the full national teams of Peru, Argentina and Paraguay struggling through this competition. Anyway, uh, Argentina's results so far are a 1-1 draw with Paraguay. Uh, on the in their opening match, they needed a 90th minute equaliser from Luciano Gondol to get that, and a 2-0 win over Peru. Was this yesterday? Yes. 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 Um, last night, which saw goals from both in the second half, a penalty from Thiago Almada, World Cup winner. Thiago, what on mm. earth is he playing? It's the first World Cup winner to play in the Premier I mean, really? first to win the World Cup and then play nice. in the Premier Obviously, there are yeah, a lot yeah, of... of course. Um, and then another late goal from Luciano Gondol. So, if nothing else, Gondol is, is on good form. So, a draw and a win from the opening two matches. Gents, Argentina are top of Group B. And I'll be honest here, given the way that some of you have been moaning about watching them uh, during the course in our... Uh, WhatsApp group during the course of this contest <laughs> I am kind of disappointed to see that they're top of the group on goal difference I thought they were going to be bottom what's going on? it's, it's just like watching free to be honest. yeah it's uh, like watching it's paint dry yeah, yeah they have a lot of the ball like a lot of the ball without doing a lot with it obviously because they have good talent it's a good squad they find a way to solve the problems but clearly it's not because there's some kind of mastermind behind. Um, it's really draws to watch. And, and not because so, there's, this, there's no, f you know, flair in, in terms of... They they do play like Argentinians, but that rem it reminds me a lot to the San Paoli team. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, without much yes. of an idea of what to do. And yeah. So, names that listeners... Uh, at least medium to long term listeners uh, might recognise who, who I'm just looking at the starting 11 against Peru last night obviously Almada um, Pablo Solari on the right Valentin Barco at left back Premier League footballer Valentin Barco um, Ezequiel Fernandez of Boca yes uh, and, and Juan Esforza or Sforza or how do you like to say that Sforza and Christian Medina also Bocca, right? Yes. Sorry, yes, you are correct. Um, and new Racing signing Marco Di Cesare. Yes. Who uh, just got injured. The aforementioned <laughs> Echeverri is there as well, right? Echeverri yeah. was on the bench. Yeah. Uh, somebody no. called Leandro Bray in goal. From Boca. Yeah. I've not heard of, but he's a Boca Juniors reserve goalkeeper. Yes. And Nicolas Valentini at centre back. I mean, this isn't. By I any mean, there's, there's also another player that was called up, albeit. Thinking of this tournament by Scotland, which is Lucas Estuel playing in Atletico Paranaense, Empani mm -hmm. Nacional Doni. I mean, this. And the player Chris mentioned in the first half he went to Germany, he was in the squad. Julian Malatini. Yes. And the one from Bologna, Castro. Well, the Roman didn't uh, allow him. Yeah. yeah, and that was after the deadline, so Argentina were playing with yeah. one fewer player than. Yeah, funny enough, uh, funny enough, Castro the left Vélez to Bologna. Had to fly today, sign today, and return tomorrow and to, back get, to, yeah, to get to the. Oh. But I mean, it's, it, in terms of a squad, it's, I don't want to say that reminds me too much to because it's maybe too far fetched, 
and I don't think not many um, listeners ever known about the 2000 Preolimpico. But because obviously we can, I cannot compare these players to the Ricalmes and Saviolas of the world because we don't know how those careers will pan out. But it feels kind of similar in terms of the disappointing so far because I remember that the team, obviously I had, I was 10, so I had different lenses to watch football. But I remember that was basically the dream team and built around the under 20s. World Cup winners, yeah, and that was dreadful to watch. Even with Peckerman at the helm, Mascherano is not Peckerman. I, I can put all the butts that you want to to put in there, but it feels like we. I don't think we're gonna get to the Olympics. It's like the general sense watching this team beyond the results, obviously. You know, mm. is it like? Like, as someone who hasn't watched these games, but is it a case of, like, there's only two games that have gone so far, like, it, uh, uh, is one kind of getting a bit too carried away negatively, like, after just watching two games of, like, a group of players that aren't 100% used to playing with each other, or am I just kind of being too positive? I think my, my main point that in that is I see the same DNA that the under-20s that Mascherano trying to let two qualifying to the World Cup yeah. fail and qualify because suddenly we were host. Yes. That get it to the fullbacks and cross and try to go. That's basically the big idea that Mascherano has and I see that actually Argentina leads in crosses but is the least effective team in crosses. Surprising no one probably. Because the one player who can get on the end of crosses has been left on the bench for the... Yeah. First two matches, and then when he gets in the field, he receives a cross and puts it in the net. Yeah, <laughs> which to Gondo for Gondo, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. That's the start of the game. Yeah. So, played about half an hour and scored twice. It's a little bit counterintuitive what Mascheran is doing in terms of his idea of football. Is it fair to say we've not seen an awful lot of Javier Mascherano as a manager outside the Argentine national team setup? In fact, we've not seen. Any of him as a manager outside the Argentine national team setup, but we've seen possibly rather too much of him as a manager inside that setup. Is it fair to say that he's a little bit one-dimensional tactically, or, or it? Because it's kind of an interesting set of circumstances, right? For a relatively inexperienced coach to have, on the one hand, you're like, okay, you're in charge of the youth teams, and in most setups, that's a fairly sort of pressure-free environment. Yeah, but. You're in charge of the youth teams for Argentina, who are the country who've won more, I think, more trophies at youth age, certainly more World Cups at youth age by quite a long way than any other country. Like, there's pressure there even though you're arguably in a job where there shouldn't be pressure on you to actually win stuff. The pressure is to bring players through. Um, and so I wonder how much of it is Mascherano just not being very good and how much of it is that added kind of thing of, Right, but you're not the Peru under-23 manager. You're not even the England under-23 manager. You are the Argentina under-23 manager, and that means that we're going to expect you to win the stuff that your teams are entered into. And indeed, not only under-23s, but also under-20s and under-21s. He's also just having the foot with the squad. He could have a different squad. Maybe the expectation would be different. Mm. Having a World Cup winner in it. Is it, is it a case of also that like um, there's not been much football on here recently? 
So there is a case of like, well, we need to talk about something. So like, all focus no, on this. But then right, like yeah. now, something I think that more than anything, there's a feeling that if Argentina do get to the Olympics, Messi's gonna play it. So that on its own just ratchets up the pressure. And he actually said it. Incredible. He, he said it himself. Yeah, yeah. Messi. And perhaps a lot of pressure to be allowed. Yeah. To. And perhaps Scaloni is there because uh, Machano said that he wants to. For him to be in a yeah, but maybe that's also himself trying to put out some some pressure off. Possibly, but yeah. I think another thing about Machirano is like, I think it's far too early to say is he a good coach, is he a bad coach, will he be good, will he be bad? Like he's had what 10, 12 com- competitive games. The problem does seem to be like he's clearly you know an intelligent guy. We saw it all for his playing career. He knows about football, but he just doesn't seem quite prepared for kind of the realities of the football he's playing. Because mm-hmm. kind of the under 20, under 23s, they just put you in the worst conditions. Like, you know, they send you to tropical Venezuela, make you play at five o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. It was two days. The state of the fucking pitch, especially on Saturday was the first game, right? Or Sunday? Sunday, it yeah. was just absolutely atrocious and kind of the football Argentina wanted to play. It was just impossible because they were giant puddles all across the pitch. Um, so, and he just didn't seem to be able to adapt. It's like, oh, well, let's just keep doing what we're doing. No, no, no. I guess a Paraguay team that just kicked the everlasting shit out of Argentina the whole way. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, barged their way in the lead via a penalty. And he just seemed like a rabbit in the headlights. Like, didn't have that reaction, kind of, right, let's fight fire with fire, let's just, you know, throw the kitchen sink at this a bit. I guess kind of almost too kind of purist or not seeing the game as it's as it's developing, that would be yeah. the big criticism I guess. So you don't think that it's not that there's a plan, it's it's just there's a lack of flexibility. Yeah, it's a plan kind of designed in a vacuum, designed under perfect conditions, and those are conditions you're not going to get in South America new football. I think that because in terms of lack of flexibility, what I was going to say is that the other kind of main result in Argentina's group so far, right, has been um, what I saw, I think it was Tim Vickery tweeted yesterday that just classic Bielsa ball, even though Bielsa's not in charge of Europe. He is in charge. For, he is? Yeah, he, he is. is. Yeah. So, 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 in charge of it. Sofa Score has got somebody called uh, Diego Reyes listed as. No, no, it's definitely Bielsa. Um, he's definitely Bielsa. Well, in that case, score. even more so. Classic. <laughs> classic. And even Marcelo Bielsa has said this on many occasions during his own career. He's not flexible enough with his tactics. Mm. Uh, we've already mentioned. Um, in during the first half of the podcast, that the, the striker that River Plate want to sign, Luciano Rodriguez, scored a hat trick against Paraguay the other day. What I don't think we mentioned in the first half of the podcast is that Paraguay came back from two 0 down to take a two three one. Well, um, yes, to, to, from two 0 down to to claw it back to two one, and then Rodriguez completed his hat trick, and then Paraguay scored a second before half time, and then they scored two unanswered goals in the yeah. second half. Uh, so Uruguay are a team with a very, very clear idea of how they want to play, and yet they are um, second bottom of the same group, admittedly, with a game in hand. Yeah, they, they did. They had well, to buy on the first. Different, um, different to Maturana with Argentina, what Bielsa did that Uruguay was to quickly change their mm-hmm. way of, of thinking, perhaps, or mixing what they well, already changed, had. He changed them from being 2 0 up to yes. losing. So in well, except for these matches. Case in shape, you want to yeah. change, there you have it. Yeah. But I think that with Bacciano, the, the, the strange thing is that, well, it's, obvious, it's uh, usual for other people to say, oh, he's awful, 
we don't need Macharano. In this case, I think he, when you listen to him and watch him, it looks like himself is saying, I'm not good, I am here, but it's, I, I, it's like, uh, um, tactically, perhaps he, he brings the players and let the players do all the work. Of course, you have well-established players in first division. Well, yeah. Valentini, Barco, uh, Medina, Fernandez, yeah. uh, perhaps uh, uh, Solari, uh, Castro, the same. Well, uh, players that perhaps you need to work uh, that more, but the, the, he leaves the players to do everything, and and this is it. And 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 yes, when you hear hear talking, hear him talking, or or or, or giving give, giving the the instruction to the players, it's like you see something with no expression, like yeah. no. I, not with no no strength, perhaps. Yeah, it, it's uh, all I've done is is heard kind of very similar quotes in the interviews to you. But yeah, it's trying to see that there's not much a self belief, I guess, which is yes. a bit weird for you know as somebody who remembers seeing him as a player. In fact, <laughs> if you resign, you resign because because you you qualify your own wor work. That was not good, mm. and then they try to convince you, and they do. They do it. They say, "No, you stay, you stay." And, and well, you are back in the in the, in the bench again. Uh, that, that that's that's something. Yeah. Uh, Look on the bright side, though. Four points from two games. Exactly. Another yeah. win, and they're essentially yes. through to the to the final four. Yeah. Um, is it, is it yes. how many go through? Two. Two. Okay. They have the day off. Uh, on um, Saturday, uh, so there are two Group A games tomorrow on Friday evening, and then two Group B games on Saturday: Paraguay v Peru and Uruguay v Chile. And then Argentina's last two games of the group are against Chile mm -hmm. and against Uruguay in that order. The Uruguay game is on the second of February, which is a week tomorrow. Looks like Chile is CC and Uruguay perhaps even when they lost against Paraguay, it's perhaps tougher. Uh, Chile is incredible how they have nothing after, well, the golden uh, era with, with Vidal, well, mm. Alexis Sanchez, and now they have zero. So it's a good opportunity for Argentina, even playing perhaps not the best football. Yeah. So, uh, so there are the top two from the group go through. To, are there semi finals or final, or is it no. just the two groups? A final group. Final group, obviously, uh, of course, it's the yes, Spanish Yeah, yeah. It's only every four years, so I forget what the structure's like. Because yeah. uh, it's different from the Super So this, this is going to end around April. Yeah. Um, was there anything else before this is questions, James? Uh, currently just oh, seeing Ava Bonega just about to start for Newell's, and he's looking fresh. I'm looking forward to it. We can say now we've begun the season with a bang. With... Two nil uh, David, uh, hang on, we have one that was asked some time ago. Yeah, I would have thought we'd had um, one left over. Yeah, how many weeks have we been out? There must be quite a few questions since then. It's from Derek Ryan, who has quote 
tweeted Newell's Old Boys English uh, saying that after the new Argentine president said that Chelsea were interested in buying a club in Argentina, which, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I want to say it may or may not be true, but on the other hand, it's the, the owner of Chelsea, so I mean, you could con him into buying anything, couldn't you? Um, so you're saying that I should give him my Mercado Libre links? Why not? Okay. Uh, some English bloke who is a YouTuber and Chelsea fan has named Newell's Old Boys as one of the teams that have been discussed. Um, now, the first thing I will say is I don't know why we're listening to YouTubers who don't know very much, but okay, sure, this is a conversation that's happening. So Derek Ryan says, One of the amazing traditions in Argentine football is the lack of single ownership. Is the new president determined to ruin all parts of Argentine society? I think there is a quite simple yes or no answer that I don't think anybody, at least in this room, is going to find controversial to that. And it's yes. Since, yes. since, since the president is determined for that to happen, and as someone who firmly follows Atlanta, if, if one club is going to be sold, I wouldn't mind if it was Chacarita's Juniors. If it's just going to be one, like, well, it has that, one can be, that one can be sold to Chelsea and everyone can fuck off and move on. I yeah, find there's been, really there's been private ownership in the past with Tacheres and obviously most, most famously, but slightly longer ago, with Racing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's not something that I would wish on my worst enemy, even, to be honest. But I find it really difficult that that happens. Yeah. With any club. Yeah, I know, because the other thing is that what the presidential decree has said is, oh, we want to make... The, the decree of national emergency for some... The hilarious thing about... from is, that is is that that We're going to make this possible. And it's like, well, okay, you can make it possible, but even if you make it possible, the AFA still has to okay it, because if a club wants to be privately owned, then under the AFA's current rules, they won't be allowed to compete. <laughs> so... They're allowed to be privately owned, that's legal. And then you have but to find the socios. You can't play any matches yeah. because no one else is allowed to play any games against you. And, you know, if the AFA, you can't force the AFA to change their rules to allow it if they don't want to, right? I mean, And it, Boca was also mentioned, and the, uh, Riquelme has already won, mm. and he's clearly contrary to that to that uh, system, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as would be, I would have thought, the vast majority of voting members of any club in the country. I, I can see how there might be clubs, you know, g given the result of the election and everything, I can see how there might be clubs where the majority of their fans might think, you know, that you might be able to find a club somewhere in the country where more than 50% of that club's supporters say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm for private ownership actually. But in terms of the ones who are actually motivated enough to pay each month to be members and to have been doing that for long enough to have a vote in their election, I'd be surprised if you find any. On a uh, slight tangent, apparently yes. Pampita's husband wants to be the next uh, Racing president. What would you do that to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> That's a serious question. Um, Pampita is a very famous I was, model. I was about to say, for our listeners, yes. could you please... Yeah. Carolina Arroyan. Yes. That's the name. Uh, very famous model, celebrity, TV yeah, presenter. She here. started around the early 2000s. Yes. If and serves. her husband is a kind of simple personality deprived economist who people very mockingly just call Pambita's husband. Kind of, I guess, subverting the normal gender roles where kind of. Uh, yeah, just because 
Pampita's way more, more famous. When, when, you, when you say economist, that term is quite loose in this country at the moment. Like anyone seems to, like the president, declare themselves. Yes, an I think he is um, along my side. You just accidentally changed channels in dropping your phone onto. I did. <laughs> like um, but yeah, apparently he's a wrestling fan. He has just paid 1.2 million pesos in back membership dues. So that he can stand for the president. So that he can be involved in club <laughs> politics. Uh, yes, and he is teaming up, this is where it ties in, with, apparently with Fernando Marin, who was the... Oh, yeah, that never How would you say I want to repaint the English administrator, I guess. Yeah. But they, I heard that he, there, will be, there must be one year since you are again a, a member. He was never not a member. He just uh-huh. owed a shitload of um, back juice. Forgot oh. to... Yes. Yeah. But, uh, didn't get his direct debit set. What year um, was it that Racing was private? 1998. Just one year? No, until 2008. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, not a and again, the question, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. Yes, I think um, people will be quite uh, quite wary. But then there's been talk that Melita's also in bed with Marina a bit, but I'm not sure how much we could. Which one? We can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Marín, who was the Blanquiceleste uh, president, right? Yes, yes, yes. You heard it here first, then. The most personality-free person in the country. It's a racing fan. Uh, Marín's husband. Look him up. Our next, well done. our next question is from David Novashevsky, who says, How long will it be before Gashego Insua and Chiki Tapia have a public spat over playing time for Tapia's son? I'm going to leave it to somebody moved. else to uh, translate that tweet first. Tapia's son has just moved from Baraka Central to San Lorenzo, I yes. believe. Well, managed yes. by Gashego Insua. That's all I got. Is he going to play for them? I would have thought he's got a good chance, right? It's not like San Lorenzo have been amazing for the last... No, they really haven't. They've um, made... And he's been, he's all right. He's not a terrible player, I brought him up before Christmas because he scored, so he's yeah. definitely playing. Um, so if from what the small little bit of research that I did do earlier, San Lorenzo have made quite a few incoming signings uh, over the last few weeks. Can't remember how many, but it was more than Boca and River. I remember thinking that at the time. Oh, well, the defence was alright, they were just lacking. I've closed the transfer like, window. Tab oh, that's alright. Right. Yeah. But yes, they've signed plenty. They've signed plenty, including Tapia Jr. Uh, Tommy Buendia says, how, Who are some young players outside of the Grandes that I should keep an eye on? I'm going to remain fu- uh, silent in this bit. So. No, we can say fairly, fairly certainly Gondor, who had a fantastic year for Argentinos in 2023. He was uh, second highest scorer, right? Yep. In the league. Yes. Um, and also now doing very well in the pre Olympic event. Real that he stays at Argentinos, of course. Yes, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, provided none of the brand is signing, because I'd be surprised if none of them were interested. How long do they have to sign people still? Now the season is actually starting. That's a good question. Do we know <laughs> when, anyone the, when the window ends? I was going to ask earlier, so if you're looking at me for knowledge, I don't have it. I, was I think I saw in passing earlier that it's been extended, but I don't know to what? which date it has been extended. Uh, sorry, I should be reading this in English. Uh, in the modification of the established dates, the Asociación del Fútbol Argentino, or AFA, has announced an extension of the 
transfer market. One extra week, according to Ole. It was originally going to be slamming shut, as I believe we have, we're legally obliged to say. Absolutely. Uh, tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock. That is Friday evening, because this will be going online, obviously, at the early hours of Friday. Uh, but we'll now be closing on the 2nd of February. Ah, because, you know, the European markets close closer to that mm. time, so it so uh, makes sense. This decision was taken in respect, in, in response to various... Uh, Inquietudes, uh, yeah, concerns, thank you, uh, expressed by various teams um, who now, who will now have more time to go through with negotiations. Uh, so, yeah, that's so, how, yeah. So, it's, any it's, last it's minute, it's going to be extended for a week. I don't know when they're doing lunges from Europe because they haven't like signed any players, they've just realized maybe a couple of days before the window shuts that they haven't signed anyone it gives them an opportunity to make some last minute lunges yeah. and take and a it, punt on the player from it doesn't say when they're doing the thing they always used to do of allowing clubs to just on that date to go oh yeah so we're negotiating for this player mm. and then get an extra two weeks or something <laughs> to try to do it so that you ended up with just this list that was some players would be on about seven different clubs lists and could still sign for any of them in the next two weeks as long as they did it before midnight. Good job that we legs didn't spend a lot of the podcast talking about like upcoming young players in case yes, half indeed. of so, them were gone by the time we record. It's always but also, on that note, uh, apart from Dan's nomination of Luciano Bondo, can anybody else suggest something to actually answer Tommy's question, which was young players outside the Grand Mace? Well, it's the Paralympic competition. There's yeah, yeah. indeed, yeah. Kevin Sonon was one, but uh, well, now he's at Boca, it's a grande. So. There's a, a complete sort of a tangent, but I did read that there was a. Ah, Tomaso uh, Gorlach was which, very good uh, for Central Alas. Which team was it? I've forgotten. There's a Japanese player who's like 20 years old that has just signed for one of the oh, teams I here. Mm-hmm. I've I can't who it completely forgotten which team and what his name was, but that's fun to see, you know, a different nationality in the league. Yeah. And it must be the first Japanese player we've had here since the bloke who played for Boca. No, he looked a part. I'm going to... It was when? 2001? Oh, Do you know no. the name, Tony, of the player that I'm thinking of? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm not going to lie you to... Tony stopped is. paying attention to Argentine football and his Mexican visa came through a few days ago. So. Yep. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it in a short space of time. Anyway, while Chris looks that up, I'll read out Liam Kelly's question. Liam is no relation to me. And he says, Will El Diablito's move to Manchester City be as successful as Julian Alvarez's? Uh, he's actually got three questions, but that's the first one. Probably I've not. Got, I've got the it's name. Gonna, it's a different, yeah, it's a hard bar to clear. Yeah, the other, yeah exactly. I mean, You're talking he, about he, the... he might very well be successful. Whether he's going to be as successful as Alvarez... It's you know another matter. Yeah. I mean, maybe he he was he will make his save in the time, championships. So exactly in a year's time, City might be in League Two, having been forced it's, to be relegated. You're talking about a player who charges, so. when when Julian Alvarez when he when he moved to Manchester, had already played for four years, mm. more with more or less regularity. But yeah, yeah. and you have already played two three matches yeah. so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah wrong one. I have the name of the Japanese player. It's Rigoa Kida. And he has uh, been in the Argentinos Juniors. He's in the reserve team, or he's going to the main team. 
Welcome to him. Welcome. Yeah. If you're a Japanese listener, then we apologise for what may or may not. I might have butchered his name, but apologies yeah. if I have. If, if, if Chris did, then sorry. Um, <laughs> Liam's second question: Early season predictions for the winners and losers of 2024. Deportivo Riestra, but put them into winners or losers. <laughs> Uh, I think we, I'm gonna we, we're going to fight relegation again this year, so <laughs> we, we signed Rocky Balboa, but I don't have any hopes. Uh, I wrote a piece this week saying news could have a run at it if things kind of drop drop well for him. Mm-hmm. I think it's so difficult to predict, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. predicting anything in advance. 28 teams, 14 games or whatever it is, and then eight teams going through to a playoffs where it's yeah. just a complete, a Given, complete lottery. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a bold... bold News was my Not bold even bold, prediction. but like, uh, given how they finished in the like, with the Copa de la Liga in the last year, like um, Rosario Central, I thought were playing some really nice football and they haven't really lost any of their and they um, won. key players. Yeah, exactly. I... Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at least if for the next six months if they continue to shock a few. Yeah, that's not really Central River Boca Racing. It will be Estudiantes. Racing Racing need to have a better year than they had last year. Yeah, it'd be useful. Yeah. Yeah, and Boca probably as well, even though they got to the final of the Libertadores. I will work with the classic prediction, which is to. Repeat the ones who won Rosario Central because, especially because Campas finally is, is there. He, he was said that he could go to River or that, or that he, he was uh, on loan from Brazil. I, I don't yeah. know, yeah. And, and but he will stay at Rosario Central, he's, so he's, he's signed permanently now, isn't yes. he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the Estudiantes, I think that they could also repeat, uh, they won one Copa Argentina. Yeah. I know Platense because they were the runner ups of the. Copa de la Liga, but uh, I don't see them repeating that. I can see, um, and just because I've, you know, I've sung his praises a lot, but just reading his comments about Millet in the last week or two, um, I wish Carlos Tevez a really <laughs> shit time at Independiente, and I hope that oh, uh, they uh, start doing even shit than they were doing. And before. he supported the decision that the board members did with Santi Lopez, the one who shined in the, in the 20s. Saying that uh, well, he won't play anymore at the first uh, team until he renews his contract, mm. which is something that could happen. But I I've never listened to a coach saying yes, I support that, and yeah. if Santi Lopez doesn't renew, he will won't be with us because then if he renews, he will be with him. So it's strange. So yeah. if he doesn't renew, we'll hang him, which is a fun yeah. Spanish translation and um, English yeah. translation of the of the phrase. Um, Not quite as brutal. In, in, in terms of in terms of my predictions, I was going to say that if you, I mean, Liam knows this as well as anybody because Liam has been listening to this podcast for forever. Uh, so, you know, one of the reasons that we love Argentine football is that you can't predict what's going to happen. If somebody held a gun to my head and said, "You have, you have to make a prediction about something that's going to happen in 2024. Somebody's going to win something or." place or whatever and if you don't then I'm going to be back in a year's time I'm going to pull the trigger then my prediction would be that River will either win or finish runners up in one of the four trophies that they're going to be playing for in this season just just because for the last like 
what, seven years or something now. That's been basically the most reliable thing you can predict. I, I, um, I enjoy the fact that someone's putting a gun to your head. Yeah. No, and I'm, then I'm asking, you to, asking forced, you to make a prediction on Argentinian football and then it's going to go, well, I'll come back in a year. Exactly. You know, like what kind of robbery the hostage is, situation is this that you found yourself in? The, the I'm more is, fascinated by that. Than the point is, if I'm absolutely forced to make a prediction that I genuinely, like the, the one that I think is the most probable would be that. But... Beyond that, Tigre. I think Tigre will have a better year than they did last year. That's another prediction. Yeah, yeah. Boca will have. I, I mean, yeah. It's easy to for, for them to have the a better. <laughs> well, but uh, in terms of the players, no, they won't. They're not in it. Elsewhere, yeah. They I won't really, win it. I, will, mm. yeah. I really think that uh, with Diego Martinez, mm. it's not that one person will change everything, but I, I they think should that they be, yes, there should be a big improvement, right? Over, yeah. Uh, Liam's other question, because it turns out we have three, not two, uh, is now that the Primera D has gone, how are the lower divisions looking? I think I saw that 25 will be in the set. I think, Liam, that if it's all right with you, can I get you to tweet that at us again next week, and we will discuss it next week when we have potentially a little bit more second half time to do so. I can say really quickly that he is correct. The Primera C has 25 teams, yeah. and they will play an Apertura and Clausura, both in uh, 24 games a team. So we'll play a total of 48 games over this year. We'll go into a little bit more detail if Liam reminds us to uh, on that next week on the lower divisions. Please do. I'm presuming that's not starting for a little while. Next I week. It'll have to. It'll have to. Sure. Well, we, well, we were talking. We were, we were, were talking earlier. Yeah. Games, we were talking earlier how the um, <laughs> second division will start yeah. like next week. So it must be in well, the coming weeks. February at some point. The yeah. first. The first division has started this evening. So we'll talk. When the second division, when the lower divisions begin, we'll talk about them. And Liam also says, Thank you very much for this, Liam, because it gives me a great opportunity to plug it. Also, I enjoyed the hop extras. If you don't know what that means, then you should get over to patreon.com slash hand of pod and sign up because there's loads and loads of extra content on there. We have now uploaded, I think, over 200 extra episodes. I'm just trying to Tony, exactly Tony did a great quiz for us before Christmas that none of yep. us knew the answer to any of the questions yeah, and it was well worth a listen uh, that was one of the extra episodes that went up over the summer uh, there are several others as well and we'll be recording one as well in just a few minutes time but for now it's time to see what I think is going to happen or, or what I'm kidding myself I think is going to happen uh, this weekend in the Superliga, no, not the Superliga, what am I talking about? That's a very the Copa de la Liga? The Copa de la Liga Profesional, so don't go away. Okay, here we go. This weekend's matches, well, Two of them have already happened, of course, Instituto uh, versus Deportivo Riestra and Tigre versus Sarmiento, they were both draws. Uh, Central Cordoba versus Newells is currently 19 minutes in and goalless, I think that Newells will win it. Atletico Tucumán versus Central is also goal. Oh, Newells have just scored, apparently, according to Sofa Score, although not on our television, so I wonder what's going on there. Um, Atletico Tucumán versus Rosario Central is also 0 0 after about 20 minutes. Dance just decided to change the channel again, just as we were about to see a goal. There and they have scored, there we go. Um, Why am I sitting so far behind? <laughs> because you're using flow, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just a little it's bit. It's flow. Um, I think I'll go for a central win in that one. 
On Friday evening, there are another four matches. Wow, that's, why are there so many games on Thursday and Friday? This because week? the next run starts on Monday. Ah, thank you, okay. Uh, Barracas Central versus Belles Sarsfield. I'll go for it. Bear in mind that I have I don't know what anybody's done in any preseason friendlies or anything, so I really have no idea. Uh, I'll go for a draw in that. Tacheres, I think, will lose at home to Gimnasia. I think that Banfield versus Huracan will be an Huracan win. And the Independiente Clásico between Independiente Rivadavia in Mendoza and Independiente um, will be an a draw as well. An independent draw though. On Saturday, San Lorenzo versus Lanús will be a Lanús win. I think that Boca Juniors will get an away win over Platense and I think that Racing will beat Union at home. And on Sunday, Godoy Cruz versus Defensa Justicia is a Defensa Justicia win. River will get a home win over Argentinos Juniors and Estudiantes will get a home win over Belgrano. I'm not going to predict the midweek round of matches as well because we'd be here forever. Um, but that's your opening weekend predictions, folks. Thank you very much indeed for listening to us, and we will be back. Well, not in Tony's case. Well, I suppose you could be, couldn't you? If you, if you want to, Tony, then you're welcome. If you're still packing, then that's fine. But next week. Um, for now, thank you very much indeed for listening, and goodbye from Tony. Goodbye. Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. Chris. Thanks. Goodbye. Dan. Goodbye. And me. Thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>